Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 14 and verses 36 through 41. Jesus called Peter the rock upon which his church would be built. In today's scripture, we gain understanding of Jesus' words as Peter boldly proclaims the gospel. Listen now for God's word. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. Friends, please know this, with the grass, while the grass withers and the flower fades, the Lord of, word of our God will stand forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from Luke's Gospel in the New Testament, the 24th chapter, beginning with verse 13. This is the familiar story about the road to Emmaus. Listen now for God's word. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? And Jesus answered, asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders hand him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning. And when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then Jesus said to them, Oh, how foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. 
Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them the things about himself and all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he was going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. It's almost evening. The day is now nearly over. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how they had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This year, Easter was unlike any other Easter ever in our lives. There were not the big crowds at church. There were not family visitations. There was not spectacular music. There were not the fine new clothes. Not even Easter on parade on Monument Avenue. We tried at Grace Covenant to put some life into the celebration by placing the flowering of the cross on our front terrace as a sign of hope and life and living. But we still were not able to gather and celebrate with one another. But in addition to that, we didn't have Low Sunday either. That's the name of the Sunday after Easter or after Christmas. That's the Sunday when the associate pastor or the student pastor usually preaches. And it's called, quote, Low Sunday because of the drastic change in attendance, at least compared to the previous Sunday. So now what? Where do we go from here? Having missed the big Easter celebration not being able to be together physically except on Zoom or Facebook Alive or calling on the phone, now what? The lectionary passage for today is from Luke's Gospel, and it's a story about the road to Emmaus, an experience in which two disciples finally were able to see Jesus. That story is really our story. That story seems to fit so well into our situation we find ourselves with the coronavirus pandemic. It was Easter Sunday afternoon in Jerusalem. All the gossip and scuttlebutt around town is about the crucifixion. People have become fixated on what occurred. But they're also holding their breath to see if the prophet's forecast was true. That is that he would rise on the third day. Rumors started abounding that some women had gone to the tomb and Jesus' body was not there. There was a scare that somebody had stolen it in order to fulfill the prophecy of resurrection. But what are you supposed to believe? Where do you turn? The hope the disciples had about this Savior were now dashed. The possibility of a new kingdom appeared to be all a hoax. So how does one go on? How does one rebuild? Where does one put one's trust? These questions were on the mind of Cleopas and another disciple as they walked down the road that afternoon. 
They were headed to Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were discouraged. Their heads were hung low. Their hearts were broken. They were talking to each other about all these things that had happened. And then out of the blue, a stranger comes alongside them. Someone they didn't know. Someone they didn't recognize. He was polite enough. And he asked them what their deep conversation was all about. And their response was just to stop and look sad. Cleopas answered him rather bewildered. Are you the only person in these parts that is clueless about what just has happened? Have you had your head in the sand? Do you not keep up with current events? And the stranger responded, what things? To which they responded with great vigor, Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet mighty in word and deed of God. And Cleopas went on to tell this stranger about all the hopes they had in this Jesus, that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Now the fact that they couldn't find his body had got them bewildered and they wondering what they could do. Can you imagine or have you experienced in your own life a time of deep grief and sorrow and heartache? And people with the best of intentions gather around you, but you don't hear a word they're saying. You don't remember who came to visit after your spouse's death or after your child's death because you were such grieving and heartache time. You were so obsessed in your sorrow and grief that you felt like a zombie. And while you appreciated the good intentions of the visits, you were not in a very sociable mood. Because you were discouraged, brokenhearted, and sorrowful. That's the reason, I think, in verse 16 we read, quote, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. They could not see Jesus standing right in front of them. Clear as a bell, their eyes were blind. I think it happens to all of us. And not just in times of sadness and sorrow. We become so obsessed with our work, we don't have the ability to see Jesus in the middle of things. We become so fixated on financial matters, there is simply no room for this Christ. We've become so overwhelmed with being quarantined in this virus that we are nearsighted. And we have become so angry over a recent fight we had with somebody, we are blind to any solutions. Often in our perspective, our frame of reference, our context, our personal needs, that there's no room for Christ in our lives. We cannot squeeze one more thing in. But the truth of the matter is we need to be still, turn loose of some things, and see this Jesus standing right in front of us. Well, Jesus in this story goes on to provide a very exhaustive Bible study for these two disciples. He talks about the Messiah suffering. He talks about the message of Moses and all the prophets. He was very extensive and they still could not see him. I would think that here would be some great clues that this stranger knew the Torah, knew the scriptures, knew what was forecast about happening to the Messiah, and yet they didn't see him. 
They couldn't see him. Why? Verse 25, I think, gives me some clues. Jesus declares how foolish you are and slow of heart. He admonished them for being foolish and slow of heart to believe what the prophets had declared. They could recite the Torah, but they didn't believe it. They could say the promises of God, but did they have any hope for them? They could go through all their religious rituals, but were they just show without any meaning or purpose? They could not see Jesus because they were unclear if they really believed what they believed. And I think we're no different. Can we not quote scripture or the creeds and not let them touch our hearts? Do the scripture or the creeds have any power over our lives? Do we really believe that the promises of God mean that they are for real? It seems in our current state in the world with this pandemic that there are numerous opportunities to see if our faith is real or if it's not. In our physical absence from one another, are we still the body of Christ? When we wonder if we will ever get through this pandemic, do we have faith that God is really with us? When we're going bonkers being at home 24-7 with spouse and kids, is there a God? While we've read every book in the house, we've done all the house cleaning, done our all-to-do projects in our stay-at-home mandate, what next? Now, while the pandemic is real and sad around the world, and it very is sad situation, I'm wondering what God is trying to say to us through it. Now, be very clear. God did not cause the pandemic. Not at all. Yet it seems to me that God can and does take everything that happens to us and can use it for redemption. He can use these experiences in our lives and through them enable us to grow spiritually and personally. So what is God saying to you in these days about your faith? What have you learned in these days of what's really important in life? How have you experienced grace in new and different ways in this era? Well, I think it's tragic about the pandemic I have been taken by all the deeds of kindness that have sprung up across this country. People in New York City at 7 o'clock each night applauding the medical staff as they change shifts. Neighbors reaching out to one another in acts of kindness. Even if they can't physically be there, they hold up signs to show through the window. Teachers in some schools in this area parading through neighborhoods when schools were called off, expressing regret that their students are not in school. Even businesses letting you buy a car and waiting six months to make a payment, and the dealer will make three months of that payment. One of the companies that received a loan from the government returned $10 million because they didn't have need for it. Businesses giving away food to first responders and medical personnel. Well-known Hollywood stars joining together to provide hope and joy through online concerts. And the kind acts go on and on and on. 
Could these acts of kindness be the, quote, new normal in our world? Could businesses decide that a certain percentage of their income would always go to various community causes? Could we begin to live out a life of love and kindness instead of hostility and competition? Why does it take a pandemic to showcase the goodness and kindness in each of us? Why do we have to have a tragedy before our God-given talents are clearly expressed? It might take something extreme like this to force us to acknowledge what is really important in life. It might take a pandemic for us to claim again our priorities. It might take such heartache for us to experience that God's promises are real and trustworthy. It might take these kinds of things to open our eyes so we finally can see Jesus. It was a horrible tragedy on what we call Good Friday when the Son of God was crucified, dead, and buried. And that's what began our story about the road to Emmaus. All the disciples were shattered and decimated. They were simply ready to give up. But God was not ready to give up. What did God do? God redeemed that horrible tragedy on Good Friday and raised his son on Easter morning from the dead. It was yet another instance that God's promises are real and trustworthy. And it's that same God, that same God that never abandons us even when we cannot see Jesus standing right next to us. For God is there. Christ is there, and we are made whole even in difficult times. We are complete and have a new life. After Easter, now what? I guess the question is, what road are you on? Are you headed to Emmaus and unable to see Jesus? Or have you finally beheld him and are now running back to Jerusalem like the disciples did to tell others that Jesus is real and he is alive because you have seen him and you have been with him? Your life is full of grace and truth and it's never abandoned by God. Able to withstand anything and everything that comes your way now and forever. Let us pray. Eternal God, thank you again for the reminder that you are with us even in hard and difficult times. Help us to open our eyes so that we might see you in ways and places we never thought possible. Help us to behold your glory and your praise and your thanks so that we can live life fully and completely even in the midst of difficulty. In the name of the Christ, we make our prayer. Amen.